morning, everyone. Since our, our gospel, <clears throat> as has been the past three weeks, is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, uh, the Beatitudes. He's <clears throat> the same afternoon. He is still talking to the people and putting forth uh, the ideals he has for those who will follow him. And he is setting a stronger example of what they are to do to surpass everything from the past. And uh, the teaching of this gospel um, becomes very difficult for many, many people. Um, it's hard to follow the Lord's direction here. He is saying, um, you will love your enemies. This is a, a greater ideal than the first reading. And there's obviously some tension between the first reading, the second reading, and the gospel. And all I have to do is reread, and you'll say, wait, there seems to be tension here between the messages. But um, I look, and I think many folks find it hard just to love their neighbors. Uh, now he's asking for us to love those who would cause us harm intentionally. This is how often classically an enemy is understood. And our Lord is addressing something that uh, perhaps all of us have felt at one time or another, the desire for revenge, to exact a pound of flesh, as it used to be said in times past. And Jesus takes this Old Testament quote, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, um, so that we would understand it. And uh, because many folks, even in our time, have used this particular piece of gospel to justify retaliation, claiming the Bible says, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And uh, that is exactly how it is written, but that is not what it is meaning. And this is one of the reasons why context becomes important. So when we look at the teaching that comes from Exodus, that whole chapter, and particularly that paragraph, um, what they're getting at, <clears throat> what Moses is getting at is, um, if you, for instance, are in a fight, <clears throat> a physical fight, and one of the people loses an eye in that fight, you are to take an eye or a tooth, if you decide to. In this sense, um, <clears throat> the, they were trying to put a cap on the conflict and uh, to prevent escalation. Some people said, well, you hurt me, you broke my arm, I'm going to break both of your legs. This is what's fair. <clears throat> this is their mentality then. And this is what this is trying to do. It's trying to bring it, um, put perimeters around it. As it is, this Old Testament passage <clears throat> was often used in more current times as an endorsement for revenge and certainly to be used um, in an unjust war. What happens when we get into this cycle or business of revenge? It's retaliation and a strike and retaliation and a strike. Retaliation and a strike becomes a vicious cycle and <clears throat> goes on long after uh, the original hurt, whatever it was, happened. Sometimes people don't even remember what that was. Here, I believe our Lord is teaching that the only way to end this cycle of revenge and retaliation is for someone just to stop. Stop. Don't seek this revenge. And then he puts forth the antidote for it. Forgiveness. 
Forgiveness in today's culture <clears throat> has been likened to a type of weakness sometimes. And however, um, I suspect all of you know this, forgiveness requires a great amount of courage, a great amount of inner strength, maturity and spiritual fortitude. My friends, I consider what <clears throat> our societies and our personal world would like, look like if none of us ever forgave if we remembered every hurt and every slight, we would be living in an emotional and spiritual desert. There's another word, but it's not polite to use it from the ambo. And we would be spending an awful lot of time renumerating and planning to get even. <clears throat> this is a poison to human hearts. It's a poison to us emotionally and spiritually and physically. Hatred is a poison. And uh, my friends, I think generally speaking, many folks forgive and forget lots of things almost automatically. But here what Jesus proposes will require that his disciples do something at a level that will require intent. They will have to be very deliberate about this. And it will be very conscious to them. Forgiveness. Otherwise, what it was being put forth is hate and revenge and retaliation will consume you and ultimately will destroy the person who harbors it. And I know we know people who refuse to forgive and they remember everything like an elephant remembers. Every detail. <clears throat> if we refuse to forgive others, we really do not harm them often. The lack of forgiveness harms us, ultimately, and binds us and keeps us captive. It is in human nature to resent a person who does us wrong. The Lord does not tell us that we should like it, but our response should not be fueled by the urge to strike back, but to do whatever will diffuse the conflict so that both parties, or if it's both groups, whatever it may be, can proceed with their lives, can move forward and continue life. My friends, I look, all right, what are some of the illustrations? What are some of the, I thought about, and I don't have any children, but when a child does wrong, I do not believe a parent tries to get even with the child. Children, you may have a different opinion. <laughs> but I do not think parents are trying to get even. I think what the parent is trying to do is they're trying, they will try to correct the child or the children so that they will do better in the future. The decision we make not to retaliate at those who do us wrong requires that we be emotionally mature and spiritually mature. And that is both a skill but it, uh, and needs God's grace. It's both. Jesus tells us in the scriptures also that we must be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And many respond to that statement along with 
to forgive your enemies, that this is an unattainable thing. And it might be even naive for this Jesus to even put it forth. However, the willingness, just the willingness to forgive is a sign of that holiness. Our starting to forgive as God forgives us is a sign that we are becoming like our Heavenly Father, whom we love. And as I said, forgiveness may or may not bring healing to the other person, but to the person who extends forgiveness, it is always a healing thing. It really does set them free. I had to go to St. John's Gospel to understand more what Matthew was putting forth for us when he says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And that is uh, a comment about God's love. We spoke about the different levels. Agape has said that's what Matthew is talking about. For the perfection of God is love. This is what John will tell us. So as Christians, we are asked to respond to the worst of things with the very best that is within us. In this, we must try to imitate the generosity of God and our readiness to forgive and not to exact vengeance or to bear grudge against another. And this is the essence of uh, when you hear uh, if someone smacks you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. That's what he's referring to, not to seek vengeance. We make a decision to love someone, agape, that type of love, even though we do not have those feelings of love for the person. In this instance, love is then not a passing feeling, but a sheer act of the will, intent. But it only happens, I believe, with God's grace. Can we love in the way that Christ does and then asks us to do? And then to understand more what Matthew was putting forth, that he says he heard Jesus say, to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And we heard God makes the sun rise on all people, good and bad. His rain falls on all people, just and the unjust. For God loves all his creation. And God loves all of us, not because we are good, but because he is good. As Christ's disciples, we are asked to work towards this higher ideal. Even going as far as to love one's enemies. In this is holiness. In this type of love, we find that perfection that Matthew referenced today. Be holy, then, as the Lord your God is holy. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In this way, you will show that you are true children of your Father in heaven. And my friends, um, I looked for, if you will, an illustration of this and um, one of them was, it comes from um, Abraham Lincoln. President's Day is tomorrow, so I went to see, do we have a president? And we had a president who did something, I think, that illustrates it. So uh, I put forth to you, even after hearing everything from the scriptures and what I've said, uh, should you as a disciple of Christ still harbor thoughts of destroying one's enemy? Perhaps turn your enemy into a friend. Abraham Lincoln uh, 
when he was campaigning to be president, had someone who despised him and worked at every possible moment against him so he would not become president. And he would go on to become president. Then he put that very person who hated him in a cabinet seat close to him. And when asked about it, why didn't you destroy your enemy? His response was, do I not destroy my enemy when I make him my friend? Lies. And so my friends, um, I think for me, another example of this, if you'll allow me, on October 2nd of 2006, our nation witnessed what now would become almost too commonplace, but a great act of violence against a community. A gentleman by the name of Charles Roberts IV, 31-year-old father, married with children, with great hatred and sought vengeance for a wrong against him, took over an Amish schoolhouse in Pennsylvania. Throwing out the male students, he kept the female students. Ultimately, uh, he would, in a great act of violence, shoot them, harming 11 and killing five of those children. He ultimately would take his own life also on that afternoon. A great act of violence. But what followed, I believe, is the illustration of what Jesus is talking about. It was matched with a great act of forgiveness. The very community to which the violence was against, this Amish community, they would gather a collection and go to the wife of the shooter and extend money and food to her to help support her because now with the man dead, their source of income was gone. And if that was not enough of forgiveness, a greater act would follow. Representatives of that Amish community would go to the funeral of the man who did that violence. Not to protest and be all woke, but they went and offered their prayers for and with the mother and the children of that man. And before they left, they would hug the mother and her children and offer again their forgiveness and to wish them well. This is what Christ was talking about. A great act of violence was met with a great act of love and forgiveness. I believe that community is still healing from the violence 17 years later. But surely, if that community can forgive at that level, cannot we do the same? Because people would say, no, no, I remember, for those who can remember that time, many people were saying they shouldn't do that. It's impossible. How can they do this? Maturity of emotion and God's grace. Those are Christians also. So I hope you'll take all of that to heart and see that it is absolutely possible to do what seems impossible to forgive.